Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, June 13th, 2021. And today on the program, ticket sales. Tickets are on sale for WWE events, AEW events, even CMLL. Tickets back on sale as the pandemic is, well, as fans return to live events. Meanwhile, WWE this Wednesday became a meme stock. What does it all mean? As if I know, but we'll talk about it. Showbuzz Daily is officially done, but have no fear, we have you covered for all of your wrestling viewership news. Total Divas has been done for a while, and now it sounds like Total Bellas might not be renewed either. Did those reality series attract a greater female audience to WWE? We'll try to answer that to whatever extent we can today. Plus, WWE superstars are back on Cameo. Well, some of them are. All that and more. But first... Joining us from my south, I have to think about this every time, my south east in South Buffalo, mm-hmm. the one and the only comedian, ring announcer, Buffalo Blue Jays fan, Chris <laughs> Call. Yeah, you know, just enjoying the wonderful South Buffalo. Uh, we got some beautiful lake air that we're not far behind, and my strawberries that I've been growing are ready to go picking some fresh strawberries from my own front lawn, my edible landscape. Edible landscape. And uh, I've been working, again, things were disrupted by by Showbiz Daily going down, which we'll talk about more. But I've been working again on, um, I did did some scraping of socialblade.com this week. If people are familiar with what Social Blade is, it, it automatically tracks YouTube views and other social media platform numbers. So that's something that I might be able to use in the future to produce reports with. I've also been using Google Data Studio, which so the as subscribers might uh, recognize the Google Trends report that was put out last week or two weeks ago at this point. That was a Google Data Studio product. Probably more of that to come as we are entering the era of automation here in WrestleNomics. So that's what I've been up to. Right, I've been, uh, you know, it was an enjoyable weekend, uh, not having a booking, but it gets crazy again next weekend. So, yes, I've been training. I've been, uh, yeah. my, my resting heart rate is now under 80 beats per minute. Last I checked. So, uh, the cardio is building back up, have, but you still have not allowed yourself in the ring yet, right? I've not set foot in the ring that has to be earned. Okay. I would make people do a thousand push ups and walk, walk up and down the stairs for two hours. 
I would be a hypocrite if I did not set foot in a <laughs> ring for 14 months and then jump right back in. Yeah. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard some stories. Oh, man, it's a lot of cardio. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, what, what stories have you heard? Uh, somebody uh, went there and he was already currently a worker, mm. did all the cardio, and then we never saw him ever again. <laughs> oh, that happens sometimes, yeah. Yes. So, yes. In any event. But our, you, you want to get right into it, Brandon? Sure. So we are approaching July very quickly as we are midway through June. And July means we're going to see live crowds on for, for Dynamite all over the country, as well as WB Raw and SmackDown. And you have a ticket update for us on those ticket sales. Yeah, so WWE has a lot of events out here, right? I count, by my count, they have, let's see here, 27 events, live events that are not Thunderdome events on the schedule here. Uh, AEW, not counting things that are just being rescheduled like Milwaukee and Rochester, and I think Boston is even a rescheduling, and I'm not counting the all-out pay-per-view yet, uh, but these, these are just dates through July and and August that I see on their event listing on their website, I count five, just five for AEW. Uh, and those are just Wednesdays, July 7 to August 18. So there's, there's a, there's a gap there in, in early August for AEW. But anyway, as we know, WWE has, has announced in excess of 25 dates. I think since last time we talked, they have officially announced that they're going to Las Vegas in the stadium uh, for SummerSlam, which is going to be on a Saturday. And a, a pay-per-view on a Saturday for the first time other than a uh, a WrestleMania double uh, Saturday and Sunday weekend, uh, probably since the early 90s or something. But WWE has a number of SmackDown events, Raw events, and Super Show events, which, which is a euphemism for a house show. And uh, the first event back on the road will be July 16th in Houston for a SmackDown, and that is doing pretty well. That, you've got uh, the floor and the first level gone. There's some upper level availability. Of course, in the, in the case of WWE, these are much larger venues. These are, you know, basketball arena venues. In the case of AEW, these are smaller venues that they're running. Uh, so that'll, that'll be important to what I'm going to say here as we go through all these. Fort Worth, Texas on the 18th, Money in the Bank. That is close to sold out. Uh, and then the next night, Dallas... Uh, that's doing well enough. We got most of the. I'm just looking at Ticketmaster and other ticket websites like Access, which is also a, a broadcaster for Impact, but also a ticket vendor. But that's doing okay. And most of the level, most of the lower and mid level is sold. Part of the upper bowl appears open, uh, where there's a lot of availability for that raw after Money in the Bank. And then they go to Cleveland for SmackDown on Friday, where the floor is gone. But there's plenty of of mid level ticketing. But the upper level appears closed, and that's what we see across a lot of these events, uh, where the uh, the floor in most cases is sold, but the, a lot of the uh, the upper level is uh, is is still uh, not even on sale yet. So the first house show is July twenty fourth, a Saturday, in Pittsburgh. Tons of av availability there. Uh, upper level appears to be closed. Same thing for the next night in Louisville. Uh, then you've got Kansas City for Raw, plenty of first-level seating. The top level is closed. Then you've got uh, SmackDown in Minneapolis, 
where there's some first level seating, floors doing well, basically all sold, but the top level is closed. That's for a TV taping. Then you got a weekend of house shows in Milwaukee and Michigan where there's tons of availability and the upper level is uh, is not open. Then you go to Raw uh, near Chicago and, and Rosemont. I guess that's probably the Rosemont Horizon, whatever they're calling it now, mm -hmm. uh, for Raw. Most of the lower level is gone, but there's availability in the top level. Then they go to, to Tampa for SmackDown. Where there's tons of availability. The upper level is not open for Tampa in, uh, in, in SmackDown. And then uh, a, a pair of house shows Saturday and Sunday, Fort Myers, Florida, and Gainesville, Florida. Uh, the Fort Myers venue is pretty small. There's a lot of availability there. Uh, and, but it's doing uh, the Gainesville event is doing better relative to the other house shows, it looks like. Then they go to Raw for Orlando, or Orlando for Raw. Tons of availability for that TV taping. Uh, Tulsa, SmackDown, tons of availability. Charlotte, a house show, tons of availability. Columbia, South Carolina, another house show. Blue all over this map, which is the uh, the Ticketmaster dot to let you know that there's a, there's a ticket available here. Then San Antonio, most of the lower level is gone, but there's a lot of availability uh, in the top level for that raw taping in, in San Antonio. Phoenix Smackdown is doing better than others. The upper level is closed, though. SummerSlam tickets are not on sale yet. We're getting to August 21st uh, in Las Vegas. That's not on sale for the stadium. Uh, and then Denver for a house show on the Sunday after the Saturday SummerSlam. Plenty of availability for the Denver house show. Uh, San Diego looks to be doing better. It's hard to tell, of course. Um, I've heard uh, I, I, either myself or both of uh, of myself and uh, the AEW ticket info. We've we've been irking uh, some people in in the live event businesses business by by assuming that uh, things on a seating map mean uh, mean what perhaps they don't mean. Um, but the uh, so it's hard to say what this means in terms of sales. What we definitely know, though, is that the blue dots mean there's a ticket available here that is not yet sold. Uh, but anyway, San Diego doing okay for Raw. North Little Rock, Arkansas for SmackDown, August 27th. Blue all over the map. Doesn't appear that the upper level has even been open yet. Uh, we're getting to, to the end of, of, of the dates they've announced here, late August. Uh, August 30th, Oklahoma City. Tons of availability. The mid and the upper level do not appear to have gone on sale yet for that raw, for a raw taping. And for SmackDown in Jacksonville, where AEW has perhaps exhausted the market, there's blue everywhere for Jacksonville for a SmackDown taping. And then uh, September 6th, I think that's Labor Day, Miami, Florida, raw taping, there's blue everywhere there. So uh, pent-up demand for uh, for live events. Everybody's Really excited to get back out there and go to events. You yourself, Chris Cole, have gone to a Blue Jays game here in Buffalo. Yes. And before we get into AEW, before I analyze this further, I guess, or we discuss it further, what was your experience like watching the uh, Buffalo real quick, Blue Jays play? Yes. Real quick, I do want to talk about WWE. I've seen some of the marketing for the house shows, which I found interesting because the only two that I saw was Tampa and Orlando. But they have these big things that say WWE is coming home to Tampa Bay. And I'm like, they've been there for a year. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with Orlando. Like, Well, they've so. virtually been there in a virtual virtually. environment, but not in front of you, the WWE universe. Um, as far as the Blue Jays experience and all that, so the way it, when I went, it was uh, 5,800 people could go, um, and I believe that game was sold out. Uh, the 
the vaccinated section was very, very large and there was no spacing and, you know, you didn't have to wear your mask and all that, but there was a non-vaccinated section, which looked very bare, which was interesting because if you watch the game on TV, all you see is the non-vaccinated section. It looks like there's nobody there. Wow. Um, Kevin Dunn did not produce this show. (laughs) Uh, So, so yeah, it, it, uh, but I mean, they're, the lines were long because they're, you know, making sure everyone's got the, you know, the vaccination card and, and all that. And the tickets have to all be digital. And the way they have it, too, now is like you can't well, I guess they said it was OK. But the Blue Jays put out like if someone buys like three tickets, they have to transfer the other tickets to someone else's application, their ballpark app. So there so it's not like one person's getting scanned three times. They kind of want to keep track like, all right, this person has a vaccination pass. And they have a ticket, you know. So, so, so you had to prove that you were vaccinated. You had to show proof. For yes. That. Yeah. Which, the, as far as I know, you could do paper card or the app. But I just used the New York State wallet at Excelsior because it's just easy. It's got a QC code on it. So. so the Internet tells me that Salem Field has a capacity. This is the, the ballpark. Has a capacity of 16,600. Yeah. That's about, about well, well, the size now, of the Budokan. Well, now they're, they're raising it to 81%. Uh, for the next slate of games hmm. and the non-vaccinated section is even smaller now. Now it's just upper deck. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. they still have the bleachers there, like the, the crappy bleacher seats that like they hurt your butt to sit on. Um, well, yeah, but it's the party deck. Like okay. it's, the, it's yeah. So you're so drunk that you don't really feel it. The, 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 uh, the pain is subdued because, because yeah. you're Cause you got a bar tender right there. Yeah. So, so that's WWE. We'll we'll go on to to AEW here. Um, so again, again, AEW it only has. And I'm not talking about Daly's place here, but it only has six events here. So Miami, a lot of these markets, by the way, are markets that WWE is also running. Uh, Austin, they are not running, but they are running. WWE and AEW are both running Miami, Dallas, Charlotte, and Houston. Uh, even Milwaukee, I think, is is an overlapping. Is there, isn't there a, yes, there is a, a house show, uh, in Milwaukee, uh, Miami, there's tons of blue for Miami on July 7th, their first TV taping. Um, there's limited upper blue, upper, uh, availability for, uh, Cedar park, Texas, the following week, July 14th, uh, there, the floor is gone and there's some raised seating available in Garland, Texas, just outside of Dallas for the following week. That's July 21st, uh, in Charlotte. The lower level is gone, but there's plenty of availability on the top level. Uh, in Houston, the floor appears gone. There's some upper level in Houston. And the rescheduled event for Milwaukee on August 25th. Uh, I'm, I'm imagining a lot of these sales were made pre-pandemic. Uh, but the lower and the floor are gone. There's some upper level seating available. I think, too, those house shows, or not house shows, but those dynamites are also doubling as events. Like I think they're doing like a a fight for your fallen and a two night fighter fest between two of the cities. And then one of the, the, the nights is a fight for, for fight. That's for right. Fallen. I did see so that. Some, they're kind of marketing. There, were, those there were some announcements about that. So maybe, yeah. Um, by this time, uh, at least by what, August 18th, uh, when does, when does rampage debut? Have they announced that? Uh, I think it's, I think August 18th. I want to say well, that's a Wednesday. That's that Friday. So it'd be the 20th. Yeah. So by then they'll be doing tapings for both uh, events on the Wednesday uh, with the exception of pay-per-view 
uh, weekends at least. Um, <clears throat> so I think obviously the, the, the dates for WWE that are not doing as well are the later dates. The, the sooner dates are doing better, which makes sense in, for two reasons. The, the first events of the tour probably have the most special atmosphere in terms of these are the first events where we're back on the road at full capacity. So those seem like a big deal. You also got a pay-per-view as, as part of one of the first events for W schedule. The, the events that are further down the road will not be as special in that way. And they're just not coming up as soon. So it makes sense that the demand hasn't grown yet um, to sell those events, to get those events closer to being sold out. All that said, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do after this. By the way, all these events for W are taking place in Q3. So in July, August, and early September. So that'll all appear in a Q3 report, which happens late October usually. So all these events should be encapsulated. Not in, not they won't be itemized, but we'll get an average and a total attendance because these are all in North America, of course. Um, but I just have to question what what they're thinking with these house shows. I guess uh, we a little bit questioned it uh, when these date, dates were announced. As far as are you still going to do house shows, and uh, W still going to do house shows at least in this first run? Does it make sense? To continue to do house shows, it might. It might if the product was better. I heard, by the way, that WWE put out uh, – a number of people have received this uh, survey that WWE has put out about their live events where the, the, the survey is reportedly all about asking customers you know, how they could entice people to go to the events in terms of would you like to meet and do a meet and greet or get autographs? You know, how could we entice you to, to go to the events? And it just sort of um, I think underlines – one of the central issues I think in WWE is that, you know, the, the creative isn't good and it's turned people off and it's made people less excited about going to the shows. Um, even if there are plenty of people who, who still love it, but there's quite a few people who maybe used to go or used to have interest and their interest is diminished for a variety of reasons that I think largely have to do with the creative. And, uh, I think that's the job of a lot of people who work in WWE, the staff is that you've got to dress up this product in some way to make it sellable, even though the core of it, the creative part of it, is ultimately controlled and designed by one man, although he has lots of people working around him. But but they but he sets the vision, and he uh, everyone wants to please him. Uh, so I don't know that it makes sense, especially I don't know rhetorically. WWE loves to talk about how they're they were not a wrestling company, we're a media company. Well, then why are you doing these events that you're not taping for any media? It doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the, the pictures. If you remember even pre-pandemic, um, it was starting to become something that you would see on Twitter for whatever that's worth. I know Twitter doesn't mean anything if you don't want it to mean anything, but it does if you do. Uh, you, were, you were starting to see photos of you know, that, that fans would take at the at the arena where they would take pictures of, yep. you know, look, look at look at this section over here. There's not that many seats here. There's only a few thousand people in the arena for, for a SmackDown taping or for a Raw taping. So we were seeing attendance start to suffer. If you look at that Q1 average, the Q1 average was up uh, for 2020. Uh, I think that has to do with the kind of events that they were running. Or maybe they had to cancel a lot of the international. I don't know. But maybe there was something there. But uh, – you they know, were canceling house shows too, if you remember in that period. That sounds familiar. Due to low ticket sales. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. So um one thing I find interesting too is I mean the market's getting saturated because now 
AEW has gone the road. WWE's on the road, and now we have announcements that Ring of Honor will have fans at UMBC. Impact's going to have fans in Nashville for Slammiversary. Uh, MLW is going to have fans in Philadelphia in July for their TV tapings. Like, so we're kind of back to we're back to full speed with other companies having fans as well. So right. market's going to get really interesting. So if these events don't do well and they go on the Q3 call and explain why these events, well, if they're asked about the, the attendance and the live event business, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there will be a response. There's so much other competition, but you're supposed to be the ones who are supposed to be the beneficiaries of this pent up demand. Mm-hmm. People want to get back out there and go to live events. And by the way, maybe there'll be an effect to ratings. We'll talk about that later. I think when we talk about this Wall Street uh, bets. But then you'll be able to say, well, there's so much competition and they're all the, and, and there's all these other wrestling events happening. Oh, and Ring of, they're not going to mention Ring of Honor, of course, but there's other events happening. And uh, the weather, it's look how nice it is out. And nobody wants to be indoors for events. And, uh, you know, Joe, Joe Biden gave everybody money and nobody wants to go to work, even though that has nothing to do with it. But the, but the entertainment at home is so good. People like to stay home, as Nick Khan said. People like to stay home and they just text sometimes. That's why the ratings are down, maybe. And uh, well, if people are vaccinated now, maybe they're finally being able to get to, get to see their families. Their families could, if they both like wrestling, go to a wrestling event. But, um, you know. And maybe people just aren't ready yet to go to large gatherings. Maybe there's some hesitancy there, even though some other events are doing really well. So I'm sure there will be a uh, a rollout of excuses if, if some <laughs> excuses are needed. All right. So you already uh, alluded to it, and we can, uh, if you want to lead to it, uh, WWE coming. Oh, I need to say too before oh, yeah, we move ahead. on. CMLL they reopened Arena Mexico this past week, 500 seat capacity. Apparently, at least one of these shows did well. Uh, subsequent shows though did not do so well uh, p- possibly related to the lack of tourism right now still in Mexico City uh, two weeks from now they up it to 1500 capacity uh, one Rob Viper on Twitter has a lot of uh, who's a, you know someone who's followed Lucha for m- many 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 years uh, has some uh, some thoughts about why uh, and maybe the, there's a lot of scalping for one thing outside of Arena Mexico uh, unclear if maybe there, there's some cooperation between the scalpers and uh, and CMLL or whatever. So, so that's happening in Mexico. Anyway, all right. So yeah, WWE became a meme stock like others in the past, like AMC and BlackBerry and a few others. WWE became a meme stock on Wednesday, June 9th where we saw the uh, stock market price, which looks right now it is at. Well, 62, uh, well, in a close, I'm sorry, June 11th, it was $62.55. But at one point, we saw a huge increase. Uh, where was the highest it was at, Brandon? This this uh, madness topped out at the 52-week high, which sort of uh, suggested that this was maybe algorithmically driven. Um, this happened on, was it Wednesday, right? Yes, Wednesday, June 9th. I, uh, how did I become aware of this? Somebody, I, I woke up on Wednesday morning and I had like a DM from somebody with a link to this godforsaken Reddit, um, which we will, we will read parts of this. I don't know if we should elevate these, these thoughts here, but we will, we will discuss them and we will scrutinize them perhaps. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I read this and you never know where it's going to go. Uh, is this the next GameStop or AMC? Have you traded in GameStop or AMC by the way, Goal? Uh, I was too late to that train when it happened, but then when the next train of like BlackBerry happened, I hopped on that. So you're doing this through Robinhood? Yeah. 
what compelled you to get interested in this? Have you, have you, have you messed around with the stock market at any point before this? Uh, this year, this is my first year messing around. And it, it honestly, it's just being 34, looking at it, puts more money in the savings and, uh, yeah. kind of Bitcoin. Uh, yes. I have Doge. Ooh, okay. Oh, no, I don't have that. I have Doge. I don't have Bitcoin. You, you have cryptocurrency, though. Have crypto, that's okay. You have cryptocurrency. I do not have Bitcoin. Once again, too late on that train. I yeah. I find myself like, oh, no, it's I got I had to get over my fear of like, oh, I could lose something. And now I've been mm-hmm. slowly trading into things, uh, into stocks and all that, which I have a lot of my inner circle of friends. Um, they're not wrestling friends. They're just, you know, uh, they're really into it. So they've been, I have some wrestling friends, wrestling really friends? Into it too. You have, you have civilians yeah. who are friends. I, I believe it or not. A few, only a few, <laughs> only a few civilian friends. So the GameStop in particular, what compelled you not GameStop, but the, okay. So the Blackberry, which did yeah. Blackberry become a meme stock through Reddit or something? Yeah. So my, my buddy, okay. my buddy told me he's like, get it. It's either going to be a boomer busting. It's going to skyrocket and whatever. And it was started at $10 when I bought it and it got up to $19 a stock. So did you get out? Or $9 increase in, in a week. Uh, I still have it, but it's at like 15. Okay. So I should have sold it at 19, but it's still our up in value of what it was. So you just saw it as like, here's an opportunity to, to make money. There's not, you do, do you have like some fundamental belief in the, in the Blackberry business that it's undervalued? No, not at all. It's just one of those things. My buddy says, look at it. He also told told me about beyond meat too, which has had a nice increase as well. But us one stock of beyond meat, it's pretty expensive. So I bought like three fourths of one or something like that, which you can do on Robinhood. they have a high per sh- high share price. Yeah. No, that's right. a cause so I believe I, in. So I'm okay with that. Sure, sure. I guess I, I don't understand any of this. I don't I, either. I, I just it's just <laughs> you know I I um so I, I've been almost completely just a long term investor in, in various mostly tech companies since about 2013. I really started messing around with this in 2012, and. uh Mostly, I've just held on to things for a very long time. Um, I did spend an afternoon one day many years ago trying to understand what what's what options are. I spent a couple hours trying to figure that out. I did not succeed. I have not tried again to figure out what they are. Um, I understand what shorting a stock means. It's basically a bet that the stock will go down in value. Um, but this is where I, I think people – the average person that I've, you know, that you talk to about the stock market who's not involved in the stock market, they see it as just too risky and uh, it's, it's, it's too much like gambling to them, which I disagree with. I think it doesn't take a great deal of sophistication or even a great deal of understanding of the stock market or of, or of businesses, even though you shouldn't try to understand the businesses that you invest in. But I don't think it, it requires an enormous sophistication to invest somewhat wisely in the stock market. It's not like gambling to me. Um, but this is this, this, this just seems like arbitrary, random. You might as well go to the casino. And I guess I kind of understand where it's coming from. You hear this story when, when this wall street's bets thing is, is covered in, in more mainstream media when they're talking about the GameStop and the, and the AMC. Is it that much unlike how hedge fund managers go on CNBC and say things that may manipulate the market? Is it that unlike when Bill Ackman talks about how he's going to short Herbalife, which may or may not be a py- pyramid scheme. Uh, 
you know, it, this is a way for the little guy to to manipulate the market. By the way, or you may see Elon Musk go on Twitter or SNL and talk about cryptocurrency, which may affect the price of cryptocurrency that he may be invested in. But yeah, so on Wednesday morning, a Reddit post appeared that may or may not necessarily be sincere. Uh, then why don't you read some of it? By the way, this the, the, all of, all of this meme stock madness is is mostly centered around the Wall Street Bets subreddit. Uh, it's bio by the way, reads, like 4chan found a Bloomberg terminal. And and, and, and as we read on here, that seems pretty fair. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll get right to it. So on this post, they wrote, how I found WWE. Let me introduce you to my patent smell system. The acronym is reverse engineered to make sense for this ticker. And so it may seem like I was pile drive as a child, but bear with me. It's important to put memes first. So here it goes. S is for short interest is high. M is for market cap is high. E is for extremely memeable. Uh, L is for low IV. And the other L is for low float. Uh, I was IV, by the way. Do we know what IV stands for? I do not. <laughs> it's uh, implied volatility. Don't ask okay. me to explain what it is, though. Okay. I don't. Do you have any idea what float means? I, I think we're probably Moving on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can guess. Um, so I was quite surprised that WWE came up on my list as I dug into it. I was expecting that the smell was from sweaty redneck chads wearing spandex surrounded by thousands of teams and Iron Man t-shirts who have yet to discover deodorant. But it turns out the odor instead was the smell of bears pissing themselves. Yes, this is an abridged version of the post, by the way, <laughs> there there is um, some other language, which which we will not utter here on WrestleNomics Radio, a family show, of course, um, not even just um, just read on. I've just read on. <laughs> I mean, that wrestling stereotype is like 30 years old. <laughs> uh, that's not even the worst of it. <laughs> All right. So. Under fundamentals, and he breaks down one fundamentals. Uh, this guy on Seeking Alpha and many others seems quite excited about WWE. Perhaps his children, WWE superstars, provided some semblance of a father figure to them. Or perhaps they enjoy having their homoerotic fantasies fulfilled while writing about stocks. Yeah. Either way, they did all the work, so go read their stuff and you'll find WWE is solid, possibly a rock solid. Uh, for those even lazier than myself, here are the cliff notes. And this is yes. what so you, so you get, get get an idea of the mentality here, I think. on Yeah. At least this sample of this person, whoever this is from from Wall Street Bats. I mean, it's a it's an anonymous username. Someone suggested to me that, you know, not all these posts are necessarily sincere. They may just be uh, either directly or indirectly from someone who, who's involved with a hedge fund who may be wanting to distract from some other action that they're trying to capitalize on. So here's when they broke down the fundamentals. They're effectively a monopoly on pro wrestling, which is barely growing in popularity. They make Do we money agree with that? Wait, wait, wait. Do we? I, yeah, okay. I, I, yeah, we could. Yeah, we could. Effectively a monopoly on pro wrestling. WB, I mean, for all, we obviously talk extent, about a variety, yeah. variety of promotions, including AEW and NWB. Uh, and and uh, non-WB pro, uh, promotions are taking up a greater amount of, of the, the – um, the uh, the mind share in our in our kind of wrestling media space and there's tremendous uh, interest in in AEW now especially in relation to WWE. However, yes, WWE still dominates the general mind share, I believe, and you see that manifest in Google web search 
data. You see that manifest in YouTube views data, which I was looking at today. More than 9% of the YouTube views that are happening among all the wrestling brands you, you might name off the top of your head, 90% of that is still WWE. Um, is the popularity of wrestling growing? Not WWE. I don't believe that the popularity of WWE is growing over the last few years. Uh, I've, I've argued and presented data to argue that the popularity of WWE has, has declined over the last few years. Anyway, moving on. All right. So moving on, uh, they make money for media, live events, and consumer products. Those are that the is, names of their divisions. Yes, that's true. Uh, COVID <laughs> wasn't COVID wasn't too bad for them. It cut live events, but media revenue popped up. Uh, COVID wasn't too bad for them. They were more profitable in the performance center era where they're doing TV out of the performance center because it cut costs tremendously. Uh, that's largely why media went up. When they moved to the Thunderdome, things became more expensive, even more expensive than it would have been if they were still on the road. Uh, it cut live events. Live events weren't very profitable overall. Um, media revenue popped up, though, also in part because they entered in the, in the year of 2020. That was the first full year when WWE was on its new set of U.S. TV rights deals, by far the biggest TV rights deals, uh, which were more than triple the value of the previous term. So that had a lot to do with just the contractual nature of their TV rights agreements. Anyway, <laughs> live events are coming back and they're taking it international. I haven't seen anything of that. Uh, this will significantly boost their revenues, especially since during COVID it was zero. So revenue is nice, but if revenue is not uh, producing any margin for you, like live events, uh, unless uh, you know, short of WrestleMania uh, aren't, then, then it doesn't make your company more profitable. Uh, although you could argue that there's a marketing value, maybe other hidden values involved with running live events. We have no news that I would consider real news about international uh, events. Although WWE would love to do a large scale international event, which is a euphemism for a Saudi Arabia event, which they will get 50 to $55 million uh, for doing just one of them. I did see there was a weird tweet uh, that didn't appear to be from a legitimate uh, news publication uh, in Arabic earlier this week that said that W is going to Saudi Arabia in November, uh, maybe, but I don't see that as, as a credible report at this point. Uh, no news otherwise that W is going to do an international tour at this point. They have a strong social media following. This says uh, more YouTube subs than NFL, NFL and GME combined, more IG followers than the NFL. And, and by the way, there's live events too. As we just discussed, it's not clear that W is going to be this you know massive beneficiary of the pent-up demand as they say, for live events, ticket sales. Uh, the first events look like they're going to do really well. The subsequent events, very much in question. Uh, social media following, yeah, uh, wrestling fans, and I think we'll, we'll, we might touch on this uh, in, in some ways too when we talk about Showbiz Daily. Wrestling fans are disproportionately involved with the internet. Uh, we could probably talk for a long time and speculate about why that is. But absolutely, it's true that WWE has... Uh, well, what WWE reports is the the aggregation of all of their followers across not just their own branded accounts, but across their talent. Um, but but WWE is disproportionately engaged with on social media and on the internet. I would not dispute that. All right, and the last thing he said, which is very interesting, uh, lots of acquisition suitors. Yes, <laughs> as he probably read some. Uh, wrestling Twitter a few weeks ago. Yeah. So we've, we've talked plenty about this. I don't think WWE is going to sell anytime soon. I think it's uh, a sort of dataless speculation that WWE is going to sell. I don't believe WWE ever sells in the lifetime of Vince McMahon. 
All right. And then, uh, so then he broke down Catalyst and he said, I'd be kidding myself if I thought you guys cared about Catalyst or they even matter right now, but here are the two big ones anyways. And the first one he says is live events resuming. WWE will resume touring. Despite the revenue being missed in 2020, they managed to haul in nearly a billion dollars. So the second half this year and all of next year is going to be pretty good. Not all revenues, uh, be driven up, but fan engagement and brand appeal will go up as well. WWE's IP has a ton of value and they've leveraged it well during COVID. As live events come back and increase engagement, it should provide some synergy to everything else they sell, pay-per-view, IP rights, merchandise, etc. Right. So this idea that WWE will go back on the road with fans finally in attendance once again, and this will have all these downstream benefits for WWE, including TV ratings for one thing, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a short-term bump to TV ratings. They'll advertise a big SmackDown. That's the first one that's back, so that'll probably be the biggest one in terms of hype. Maybe they advertise John Cena's returning to WWE for that SmackDown. I think it's July 16th. Maybe he starts a feud off with Roman Reigns there heading towards SummerSlam. That seems like a like a plausible thing. But I think the, the quality of the product is such that this company is capable of little more than short-term bursts of interest. Uh WWE's uh, inability to plan and execute long-term storylines is pretty weak. Uh, they misvaluate talent. Um, the product is inauthentic in many ways. Uh, so I don't think that there's, while it will be a short-term benefit for WWE to have uh, uh, fans back in attendance, I don't think there'll be a long-term benefit. It's not going to be the sort of comparison that you want to make just when you when you talk about how well, the NBA, uh, their ratings were down during COVID, but that was during COVID and there weren't fans in attendance and it was in a, at a weird scheduling time. And now we're back to the point where we are having, am I wrong here? The NBA has people in attendance now for their games? Uh, I believe in you some arenas. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, you see what I I'm just saying. have not been there, you know, but I believe that's in fine, some arenas. Yes. So, yeah, I, I, I think... Uh, Having fans back in attendance will be a short-term boost, but ultimately what you need to have is uh, stars and storylines that people care about and WWE uh, beyond this sort of uh, captive fan base who will defend the product at all costs or who watch it out of habit. Voices of Wrestling, uh, the, the podcast network that we happen to be a part of here, uh, p- put out a, a, you know, a question on, on Twitter just to ask people sort of in, a, in, a, in an open-ending, open-ended trying to be non-judgmental way, why do you still watch the product? And a lot of people just said out of habit or they're hoping that it would be good again or that they, they're they invested in the stars uh, even if the storylines aren't that great. Um, so yeah, anyway, I said enough about that. All right. And uh, video games are booming, they say. WWE Supercard is Take Two Interactives, a $52 billion company, highest grossing mobile game, and it's grossing around 23% YOY. Uh, a lot of that money will flow into WWE. WWE also sells rights to other titles as video games continue to grow. So, d- d- so does WWE's revenue. So, yeah, WWE Supercard apparently doing much better than I thought. Well, okay. So the. The video games is reported within the licensing line. Uh, WWE did just under a billion dollars in revenue last year. Their licensing line was $42 million. Uh, the video games are worth somewhat less than that then because you've got to at least clear out uh, action figures out of that uh, and a number of other categories. So I think that the video game business to them is worth 10, 20, maybe even $30 million, pretty, probably less than 30. 
around $20 million per year. Um, that's not a Saudi Arabia event. It's about, you know, it's less than half of one. Um, video games are an important part of their business, though. And I think it does lead to a lot of discovery of uh, as far as kids who discover wrestling through through video games. There's so many anecdotes about that. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't see it as a, as a massive growth area that one should, uh, you know, get that excited about. And the last thing he pointed out was rumors of acquisition. About a week ago, WWE cut some talent assets. So apparently, uh, important guy tweeted that it's likely due to them cutting costs, preparing preparing for an acquisition. Here's here are Reddit wrestler fans discovering this and 1,200 comments of it. Rumors aside, uh, there's a strong case for WWE being acquired. Uh, should McMahon decide to sell uh, from the. Uh, essay article it's not unrealistic to suggest that wb could one day be acquired if mcmahon indicated interest to sell the business there would be no shortage of potential suitors given the scarcity value of his content whilst disney fox and viacom uh, disney fox and viacom could be prospective interested parties arguably the top of the list is comcast who may dis- decide owning wb may generate more value to its shareholders than perpetually lo- leasing its content yeah, I and I agree strongly with the idea that Comcast, yeah, or NBC Universal probably, which is which is a subsidiary of Comcast, would be the one to acquire WWE. I think it makes the most sense for them. They're the biggest customer of WWE. They're giving them probably three hundred million dollars this year and, and more over time, because of the nature of their contracts for Raw and for Peacock uh, W Network. So, yeah, that makes the most sense. But I think uh, yeah, Nick, Nick Khan has said that Vince McMahon has no interest. Vince, I think I think W would like to have people believe that they're gonna they might sell the company because that might help the stock price. But I don't think they're gonna sell it. I don't think it's in Vince McMahon's personality to relinquish control during his lifetime. But it does make <clears throat> it does make for a great story if you want to get engagement on social media. It does make for uh, a great news article to put on your news site if you need people to click on your news site. Um and it might make for even a good Reddit post if you want your Reddit post to get updated because it gets people very excited, this notion that WWE could sell and Vince McMahon could relinquish control. Um, I think, I don't know, I, I I really wonder about like the psychological reasons for that. I talk here sometimes a lot about a thing called economic justice where maybe some people want to want there finally to be a consequence for the quality of the content of WWE and maybe finally it will be that – uh, some large conglomerate business acquires WWE and they get to finally make it better or there's some kind of uh, uh, a consequence. But I don't really see it. I don't really see it that way. I don't really see it as a consequence of the quality of the content. I think I, I see it as like a, as a, I think why it appeals to some people is that it's a way to craft a narrative or to, to apply some meaning to what's happening in that see it's not about the quality of the storylines or the quality of the tv programs or the pay-per-views it was all business all along and really vince was a genius and now he's got multiple billions of dollars in cash from comcast and now he's so rich and see all of that uh, whining and arguing that we did on social media for all those years really meant nothing because it all means nothing and we're all you know it's all bit money at the end of the day i think there's some great appeal in this sort of cynical almost nihilistic um definition of the world or being able to being able to at least put put this this wrestling world that is so frustrating sometimes and and sometimes makes so little sense to its fans into some sort of narrative 
that, oh, see, it all concluded in this, this, this acquisition by one of these massive corporations that so influence our lives. All right. So, yeah. So, um, any final thoughts with WWE being a meme stock? Obviously, it helped the price, and now it, it may live in the $60 range for a yeah. while. So, I, yeah. This, I, again, I don't feel a great deal of confidence in talking about why the price is what it is. I think I said on Twitter, my, my ability to analyze the stock is limited to the actual performance of the business and not this, this uh, outrageous speculation. That maybe it's just a fact of. Well, you've got some people holding the stock now because they got on board and they don't want to let go yet. So there's increased demand for the stock. Um, maybe it has something to do with options and, and calls and puts, which I could not even tell you what, what it means. Um, but yeah, the, the stock went from uh, before this meme stock business in the mid-high 50s, let's say $57 per share. And now it's it closed on Friday at 62.5. So it is up 10%. Vince McMahon is 10% more wealthy because of this he uh i forget i, I did look it up on on wednesday but he's you know he, he gained hundreds of million dollars hundreds of millions of dollars in market value in his ownership of wwe because of this for whatever that's worth all right so we're gonna move on to wwe and cameo obviously uh, there's been talk throughout the year about the third parties and all that and they rewind to manage that and the person they hired to do that they let go and just the just, team the team. the team, the whole team, uh, and uh, but here they are. The WWE has a deal with Cameo, and I just actually went on Cameo, and now like under a WWE superstar will have the official WWE logo, and it'll say WWE superstar on it, and and everything. But yeah, so Cameo and WWE official agreement. Yeah, not too much to say here, but thirteen people here uh, are back on Cameo. Talent. Alexa Bliss, Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, Rhea Ripley, Cesaro, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Shawn Michaels, who is the top price of $750, Bianca Belair, Rey Mysterio, Nia Jax, and Charlotte Flair. Uh, these the, the the lowest price is $350. Uh, and then those prices are are on Rhea Ripley, Cesaro, Sami Zayn, and Nia Jax are $350. Everybody else is between that and $750, which is Shawn Michaels. Um, so not everybody gets back on here and, and God knows what they're going to pay the, the talent and royalties as far as, uh, I'm sure they'll get a percentage of, of their cameos. I have seen other people. It's a lot of NXT people on here as well. Like the, they're floating like Jackson Riker's on there for $50 and, and, and Robert Stone and a few others. So I wonder if they're just still under the radar <laughs> and they, yeah. Yeah. You so. see that with, with pro wrestling tees too, right? There's sometimes there's NXT people who are still on pro wrestling tees. Right there, there's some WWE people that have their indie stuff still in pro wrestling mm -hmm. tees. Interesting. Yeah. So, I'm not sure how. I know people raise that sometimes. I'm not really sure how all that works out. I, I imagine to to some extent, I'm sure it's more complicated than this. But once you go to the main roster, there seems to be more limits on what you're able to do. At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Uh, all right, so next we'll go into Showbuzz Daily being officially done. We've talked about it for the last few weeks, uh, and it's it's officially done. Uh, uh, with the Showbuzz tweeted, a sad final update. In addition with our ongoing technical issues, we've lost access to the ratings we've been able to provide for ShowbuzzDaily.com. Therefore, we're sorry to say the site is officially done. For those wondering, this, the situations were unrelated. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank our devoted, enthusiastic, and sometimes contentious readers for their support over the years. Unfortunately, we don't know of any other site that has detailed access to the ratings data, but we hope one will emerge all the best. So you've been saying, Brandon, and there it is. That's the official it's over statement. Yeah. They have not updated, I think, since they did the overnight ratings for primetime on May 12th, and we are recording this on June 13th. So it's been just over a month. Um, The the last line about uh, sometimes contentious readers. I I wonder to what extent – if you looked at the replies to that tweet, tweet, um, it's a lot of people who appear to be wrestling fans. Either because I recognize their names or because they got something in their avatar that's wrestling related. Um, It's a dis. I I I do wonder to what extent the the traffic for to Showbiz Daily was just wrestling fans. Did 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 they know that they were just a wrestling site? (laughs) I I can't see like people like a lot of people people arguing like real world should all beat Real Housewives of Atlanta. (laughs) Like I I can't see the the, like those ratings arguments. Well, oh. Clearly, man, uh, if uh, clearly, if uh, I don't know, the, the CNN, uh, oh, Tucker Carlson, he's losing, he's dropping in ratings. He's going to go out of business. <laughs> like, I, I, can't, yeah. I can't see that type of only in wrestling. And I think it's increased in, in the last couple of years because now we do have AEW. Yeah. And we had the Wednesday Night War. And but now after December 2020, we had even impact on there. And there's been there's been an increase in, in wrestling programming. Um but I think so. I, I was I talked to someone from Nielsen earlier this week just to get an idea of would they would they sell media subscription? Um, and I was explaining to, to, this, to this nice person, uh, you know, I think wrestling fans. You know, I was like, yeah, I do this this website. I'm trying to explain to him what, what I do, and be like, yeah, this is what I specialize in. But it, but regardless of that, there there is a disproportionate interest from wrestling fans in in the ratings, and I think it's just that, you know, the. The, the match results are predetermined. They're made from somebody's subjective decision about what they wanted, what story they want to tell or what talent they see as marketable. But the things that, that actually do represent sort of a democratic uh, uh, expression of how people really feel is the business results. Those are objective and, and measurable. Some of them are anyway. We don't have everything that we want, but we have TV ratings, for example. And I think those are the things that, that wrestling fans – they want to hold on to as a as a verification of whether or not the the decision that you saw on screen was a valid one was was defensible, and uh, yes, and and as people at me all the time, is so and so a draw? So and so and so is not a draw, right? Um, you know, in in any other sport, there's a scoreboard, there's a uh, there's a score at the end of the game, there are stats that you can look up to see who's who's the who's 
thrown the mo- most passing yards in the NFL last season. You can look that up. Um, again, the match results in wrestling are predetermined, and there's there's no real scoreboard. I think the closest thing we have to a real scoreboard are these business results. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's what's happening there, and uh, but we'll be okay. There is spoiler TV. Yep. Yeah, you got something? Oh, no, I was just, I didn't know if you were segueing. I, I don't know segway. what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. But let's say this. The wrestling viewership spreadsheet is is staying up to date regardless. Um, we don't need Showbiz Daily necessarily. Showbiz Daily was a tremendous service. And Showbiz Daily did give us tremendous context, um, which, which really gave me valuable insights and an ability to hopefully enhance these arguments, conversations around the, the wrestling ratings, especially when it, when it came to, uh, you know, raw is such a consistent metric over time because raw has been in the same network, same time slot for many, many years here. So we can look at raw over, over time and compare it to wider, wider trends in television, which showbiz daily, because it published 150 cable originals every day was, was a great, uh, thing to compare other programs against. Um, which, which I found that in 2019 and forward, Raw did decline worse than the average cable program. Um, but all the wrestling-related programming, which has grown so much over the last couple of years, the variety of programs that we have to look at, not just the in-ring programs, Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, Impact, NXT, maybe MLW someday, but the all the other ancillary, the reality programs, which we'll talk about more in a moment, um, and then the documentary programs, uh, all that stuff is in the, the spreadsheet and uh, across yep. various demographics too. go ahead, which is that Russell viewership spreadsheet only $5 a month on the Patreon. And you get that and so much more, including emergency broadcast and news articles and so much more. So the Russell Patreon only $5 a month and you get this updated spreadsheet every day. It's updated. Yes, we well, have five a, days we have a week. Go- yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, as soon as I get the data, it's going to be in there. Um, uh, we'll, we have, uh, impact wrestling ratings that I broke the other day. Nobody else has got that. That's not, that's not in showbiz daily. That's not in, well, it wasn't showbiz daily, but I was showbiz daily hasn't been reported in a month. Um, you know, but the funny thing is spoiler.tv is now showing not just the top 150, top 200, top 200. And they're not just showing cable originals in their top 200 like Showbiz Daily did. They're showing the reruns too. I think we discussed this last time. So you see the enormous ratings that reruns of the Big Bang Theory is doing on TBS. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, but we don't see in there, uh, and this is ranked by P1849 just like Showbuzz was, but we don't see Impact Wrestling in there. Even though Impact Wrestling's uh, P1849 should be high enough to be in there. And I think it's just another case of maybe uh, access not being in somebody's data set because it wasn't in somebody's data set until December 2020, at least as far as uh, Showbuzz went. But uh, there's no other place to get Impact Wrestling ratings. And if you find them on the news sites, that's because they got them from WrestleOmics. But go ahead. All right. So, yeah. So uh, we're going to get into that viewership. Uh, We'll start with SmackDown. Uh, We'll start with Friday, June 4th, SmackDown, which did, uh, you know, 1.884 million uh, with a 18 to 49 of 0.51 uh 
you compare that to May 28th, which you had uh, 1.930, but a 0 0.50, 18 to 49. So 1849 stronger from May 28th to June 4th. And now we actually do have some uh, overnights from SmackDown, which looks to be um, 1.853 million uh, viewers with a uh, 0.4, 18 to 49 uh, uh, ratings. So, I mean, that was yeah, I, I call that difference flat yeah. from May 28th to June 4th. It's 2% plus 2% in 1849 minus 2%. P plus that's that's flat. So, but the news sites will say SmackDown up. <laughs> Pretty living in the same territory. Um, biography, which the Sunday, June 6th biography was Brett. The Hitman Hart did six hundred forty three thousand overall with a point two six in the 18 to 49. And you compare that to the week before, which is Mick Foley, five hundred twenty thousand, which was point two zero in the 18. 249 for biography. So, uh, you know, a little bounce up with the finale of biography. So that was the last biography. Yes. We've been talking offline about whether we've seen the last hidden treasures. I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which we'll probably talk about in a second. But real quick about biography. Um, these have declined over time, which is just kind of what you expect. Uh, the Stone Cold one, which is the first one, did over a million in, in total viewers here. Um, Bret Hart did edge out Shawn Michaels, though, proving once again that Bret Hart is a little bit better than Shawn Michaels. Uh, Foley was the, was the low point at 518,000. And, uh, yeah. Do you think the Warrior one is mostly because Dark Side was also that same week? And it was just like, oh, compare the two? Because 767,000 for Warrior. I mean, I guess he wasn't mainly popular, but I would expect Michaels and Bret Hart to perform him. Yeah, you're seeing these charts that I put yeah. in the notes, right? Yes. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll put this on Patreon for listeners. It's just a bar chart showing um, the viewership for all the any biographies and all the Dark Side episodes. And uh, there'll be a, a chart in there for reality programming, too, that we'll talk about later. Maybe. Um, there was just – it was social media chatter, so I don't know that – it's easy to overrate what social media – you see this activity on social media. Maybe it turns into a rating. I, I don't know. Um and maybe just the curiosity about like, well, how are they going to handle the warrior warriors? Uh, <laughs> are we going to get some histrionics here or are we going to get some honesty? I don't know. <laughs> um, moving on to most wanted treasures, which this week was Brutus to Barber Beefcake and Greg Valentine, who I've had the pleasure of managing against. Uh, and I say pleasure, not in the highest esteem, uh, 526,000 overall. With a 0.23 and 18 to 49. And if you compare that to the week before, um, which did 406,000.18, and that was the Jake the Steak Roberts uh, episode. So. Uh, you were a little, little little stiff on the Dream Team, weren't you? You, uh, you got to lighten up now. <laughs> apparently, 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 I was told I was a, a little, little too stiff on the neck tug. Yeah. Of, you try uh, and go into business for yourself on, <laughs> on, on the Dream Team, I heard. Yep, apparently. <laughs> I don't want to be forgotten. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, most on traders. Now, this may or may not be the finale. <laughs> there is a finale listed for this Sunday, which is Big Show and Mark Henry going out and seeking no longer with Andre our organization. <laughs> so, yes. because it's an Andre episode, maybe it will happen. And I think they'll probably, we, we've talked about off air, air that. Edited for A and E HBO Andre the Giant uh, biography that is on demand if you go on A and E's. Uh, they already aired it on, on A and E yeah. at the beginning of this run. Yeah. 
And then we, uh, we you know, dark side. Is that next? Um, or? Yeah. Um, no. I mean, we want to, do you want to get in the dark side before we're going to run? Do dark, do dark side. Now. All right. We'll sure. go to dark side. So, uh, the Dynamite Kid episode, Thursday, June 10th, did 242,000 uh, with a point eleven and eighteen forty nine. You compare that to the Grizzly Smith episode, pretty much very similar, 240,000 with a point nine and the 18 to 49. Um, and you actually have a nice little chart of Dark yes. Side of the Ring uh, overall uh, viewership since the... I, uh, I think this is the only place that you'll that you will hear the Dynamite Kid uh, data point as well. I don't think anybody else has that. Um I, I I was surprised. I didn't realize the dark side is really halfway through the dark side season. <laughs> I thought, oh, they all they're all done. No, they're not done around the same. Time. Not till September, so, though. We're yeah. not going to have new episodes. So, uh, yeah, uh, the Ultimate Warrior episode for Dark Side was one of their least viewed episodes. Maybe the maybe people felt like they got their fill of uh, of uh, Warrior from the A and E biography. Um, Voice is a lower profile network. Uh, than a and although they're probably in pretty comparable number of homes, but uh, just just to get an idea of the the comparison of the audiences here, you know, it, Dark Side is doing two hundred thousand ish viewers for these episodes, and uh, although the any biographies did decline over over the course of the it's six seven episodes, I think it's seven, um, you know, they're doing anywhere between a million and five hundred thousand, so substantially larger audiences here. For, for the any biography versus dark side. But yeah, um, the high point of course, so far is, uh, the, the first episode of the season with Pillman and, uh, Nick Gage and warrior were down in the, in the one sixties. So one sixty five for warrior one sixty three for Nick Gage. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, what I find interesting too, in this overall chart and you have, uh, all of the, uh, you know, basically the, the two and a half seasons will say, uh, the two most highest watch ones were probably the most common story to the non-wrestling fan, which is the Chris mm-hmm. Benoit, uh, double murder suicide, which did 320,000 and the Owen Hart accident, which did 349,000. Yeah. I would, I would say those are the two biggest news stories in the modern history of pro wrestling in my lifetime anyway. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So, I mean, you see the Google, I mean, when I look at Google web search, like I've, I've said before, it's always June, 2007. That's the peak. And that's not for a good reason. And uh, we don't have Google Web Search before 2004, but you know, and people weren't really using Google in 1999. But uh, but I imagine it, it would, if there were something similar, it would be similar uh, in May '99 for Owen. Brandon, you got to find those Ask Jeeves search results. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the the Yahoo, the uh, the Alta Vista, maybe. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, CS the Dark Side of the Ring uh, will be back in September um, with uh, new original episodes, which I'm looking forward to the XBW episode uh, just because I've covered it's been a giant part of my life for four months. <laughs> so, I'm interested will to see. Talking head. Will you be a talking head, Chris Gull? I, the they they have not reached out to me, but Rob Black said he will be. And Rob Black has oh. a podcast and he puts out episodes almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> but I just every day. Yeah, I just can't like I can't succumb to actually listen to it to get to the point where he maybe talks about, hey, people are talking about my company because he has all these rants about murders in Rochester, New York and political stuff. So it's not a that. wrestling podcast. It's it's everything Rob Black. <laughs> he talks wrestling. It's, but not his, else. it's not his latest thoughts on Raw. <laughs> no, it's it's not. So um all right. Speaking of Raw, uh, WWE Raw uh, Monday, June seventh, did uh, one uh, one point six four uh, million uh, with, with a point 
four eight and eighteen and forty nine. If you compare that to a month before with the May seventeenth rob, which was one point eight two with a point four eight and eighteen and forty nine. So the eighteen forty nine, uh, they're living in that point four eight territory, but overall viewership dropping a little bit as you know we continue through the summer. So one point six four. That's pretty low. We're getting into all time low territory here again with raw. And what is the all time low for raw? I'm pu- I'm opening the spreadsheet right now. It'll take forever to tell you though because I have to sort it. There's so much so much data in there for five dollars. <laughs> well, um, it's December December of this past year, and I think it's just over one and a half million, one point five something okay. is, is I believe the total viewership all time low for a single episode. That that could happen um, this summer. Yeah, that right, could sure sure. Um, and, I, and I wouldn't consider it like disastrous. Partially, it's it's the nature of me is that these we expect TV ratings to be down, but that's not alone a, a, a way to dismiss what's happening. Um, you know, I, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It's I think it's about the trends too. And it's like, does this is this a, a gradually declining rating? What's the what's the rank like? And we will see the rank on spoiler TV, fortunately. And they're still still number one, two, and three with those three hour slots. When they start to fall out of that with with any regularity, then sound the alarm. If other sports properties start to get low renewals, start to get concerned. But yeah, they'll probably be all right. All right. So uh, moving on to NXT, uh, Tuesday, June 8th, uh, with Poppy. Poppy was there, Brandon. Poppy means ratings, right? 660. His Poppy a draw. 669,000 overall with a .19. The the week before, 670,000. Overall, with a point two zero and eighteen of forty nine, so uh, Pop Poppy didn't make much of a difference. Yeah, but but W is a media company, just like Marvel, and uh, they have celebrities on their show, and uh, you get to talk about those things when you do interviews and media appearances. So that's good. That's good for the brand. <laughs> uh, moving on to uh, Dynamite, uh, living in this Friday night time slot right now while the NBA playoffs continue. Friday, June 4th, uh, 462,000 with a uh, 0.19 and 18 of 49. And from uh, May 28th was 530,000 with a 0.20. So I kind of expected this. You know, it's hard to have a live audience for Friday at 10 o'clock tune in that are going to be very large. I think people were kind of like look at the peel the first couple weeks, but it's as you can tell, it's dropping a little bit here. And then uh, I'm sure we'll have as soon as we get, you know, overnights or numbers for that, we'll have that on the uh, Patreon spreadsheet. So for this past Fridays. Yes. The, I think this again gives you an idea. You, you were just talking about dynamite, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you tell yes. Me. I'm, I'm, I'm clicking around here. Sorry. Uh, we're getting an idea of where uh, rampage might live. Um, Lower than this, probably, because it's not dynamite. Although it is, you, you look at the quarter hours, right? You can look at the quarter hours that are in the Observer, which uh, our friend Corey is, is cataloging for us in a Google Sheet that you can find the link to uh, in, in the WrestleNomics viewership spreadsheet. Um, but probably lower than this is, is, is the Rampage place to live, which would be about half the viewership of dynamite. Um, it, it's, it's, an, it's a nice thing to say, to say that, that Rampage will, be, will not be a B show. When you're doing half the viewership, how's it not? The time slot just makes it a B show. It's after 10 o'clock on a Friday. I mean, is this generally, of course, they're going to put top talent on it, but you just know it's not going to perform like Wednesday on primetime. It just won't. Uh, impact wrestling. So, yeah, we 
where most people are still scrambling for this, WrestleNomics has it. 124,000 overall for the June 10th impact, uh, leading into their against all odds pay per view, uh, doing a 0.05 in the 18 to 49. And we have a comparison with June 3rd, which was 140,000 with a 0.04 in the 18 to 49. So, yeah, interesting trend here where we have. I just looked at this over the last 12 months. Uh, by the way, this is the first time we've ever seen impact ratings since, since, since early May. And it's not a consistent pattern, but total viewership is slightly down. I believe they did their lowest average viewership for a month in May than they've ever done on access. But P18 to 49, which is the ad demo, which if you're, if you're Turner and if you're AEW is the only thing that matters, um, that's gone up. Uh, in, in particular, in the, since the new year, but really over the entire course of the tenure on uh, on Axis, P eighteen forty nine's gone up. So I see that as a as a break, even if not an improvement for where they were previously. Um, but the total, total viewership number is down. So I've got people in, in my replies on Twitter saying, "I don't think this AEW relationship is working out." So whatever. Yeah, and we'll see how much of that. Uh continues um you know not gonna give against all odds spoilers in case no one's watching yet but uh looks like the relationship is at least going to continue for a little bit longer as far as on-screen characters from AEW on impact um now we have some WWE reality tv news the total bells may not be renewed uh in an interview at etonline.com Bri and nikki didn't rule out continuing to do reality tv but expressed some concern about raising their children in front of cameras and, uh, you know, we, we, we have a thought here. Did Total Divas, which ran from July 23rd to December 2019, or July 2013 to December 2019, and Total Bellas, which ran from October 2016 to January 2021, coincide with greater female viewership for WWE? Are you familiar with this talking point? Uh, yeah, I've, I, I've heard it here and there. I haven't dived into a big detail. I mean, yeah, you are building a female audience. You're, at least you would think you're building a female audience in other outlets. But I mean, I guess. But also most females that I know that are interested in wrestling product don't mention any of these names. That the Bells really? or anything. They, they mentioned Charlotte Flair. They mentioned Becky Lynch. They mentioned Asuka, Rhea Ripley, you know. This this is a a part of what I would call well, what what Dylan Dylan Hales once called the Meltzerian gospel. This is a uh, this is something that that Dave Meltzer, uh, known in some parts as Juno Male, uh, what he has uh, he has said on numerous occasions. Uh, I don't have the data to really answer this question well, though. We have Shoba's daily data, but that only goes back to to um, April two thousand fifteen. Um. We have viewership, total viewership data going much farther back than that, but that's, that doesn't break out men from women or anything like that. Um, but we do have the demos going back to April 2015 and really further back than that, September 2014. But Total Divas, as you just mentioned there, debuted July 2013, right? So what I would want to answer this question is sometime before that point, July 2013, maybe a couple of years would be best. I would want to know what the what the male to female split was in the audience, and um, and what the female viewership was. Mainly male female split because that'll that'll rule out the the problems that we'll have with just the nature of 
the TV viewership in general going down. I think it's just coincidence that 2013 total divas showed up and that was really the beginning of the woman's revolution. I don't know if I've heard other people say that, but I don't think so. The, they, in 2013, 14, they're still doing uh, two minute women's matches. Uh, they're changed. 14's a change though. Cause 14's pages on the main roster. So yes. 14 four pages on the main roster. And then you start to, NXT gets interesting because NXT now at that point is on the network on the WWE network. In 14. In 14. Yeah, in 14. So yeah, I guess 13, but in 14, it's starting to change. Okay. But this this is the data that we do have. So um we have F18 to 49 for 2015 to the present. We have M18 49 2015 to the present for both Raw and SmackDown. As always, SmackDown is complicated by its move across various networks and various time slots. So Raw is really the, the more stable uh, time series to look at. And what we see, I, so what I did was I just averaged those two demos for each year. For let's, let's talk about Raw. And I said, well, what's the difference from year to year? In 2016, the female 1849 audience grew 14% year over year. Meanwhile, the male 1849 audience lost 6% of its viewers. So there's something there. Uh, and then the following year, we see the female audience, 1849, go down 3%. This is in 2017, while the male audience went down 11%. But then in 2018, this is the year that Ronda Rousey shows up, female audience goes down 14%. Male audience goes down only 3%. Um, again, this is not far enough back in time to really look at the Total Divas, Total Bells question. But uh, I, I see it as, at least with the data that I have here, uh, it, I can't separate oh, what's the total divas effect and what's just the calling up the four horsewomen in July 2015, which is when that happened. Well, three of the four, right? This is when Stephanie McMahon yeah. came out and invented women's wrestling, and she said, here comes Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair, uh, who's just Charlotte at the time, and, and Becky Lynch. Bailey debuted a year later at the Raw after SummerSlam 2016. I was there, actually. Um so I, I, it's hard for me to separate what's just treating women's wrestling with greater athletic respect and uh, what's what's Total Divas attracting female viewers that attracted female viewers to the core content. Um, hard for me to say. But there does – but I think we do – what we boy, what I can say here is that mm, 2016, maybe before that, but in 2016 and 17, female viewership over-indexed, at least among people 18 to 49 – Female viewership over-indexed male viewership. Uh, I mean, how much of it, like you said, how much it has to do with the reality show or how much this has to do with just making women more of a focus. But that Ronda Rousey thing does surprise me that it dropped as much as it did uh, on that I, I've argued that I, th I think I've ever wrote an article about this, which is on WrestleMania.com. I, I think that we probably missed a, a window for a huge increase in business by – not really going all in around the year of 2016 on women's wrestling. And, you know, it's all, it's, it's systemic of, of their larger creative issues though. But anyway, um, because I think it would, I've argued that what, what most booms in business in wrestling companies have in common is that they changed the expectations of what people thought about expected in wrestling, whether that was the attitude era being edgy and violent and, and, and vulgar, Versus the kids program that they thought it was before then, 
whether that was Hulk Hogan being a heel, whereas he he was a you know uh, eat your vitamins baby face before then, uh, and maybe some other things. But uh, yeah, total divas and total bellas, by the way, somewhere around a million dollars an episode, maybe a little less than that, maybe a little more. I don't know. So if those programs, total divas looked look to, to be done. That's not really news to me. Uh, total divas has not run a show since. December 2019, so it doesn't look like they're, they were going to be renewed anyway, but Total Bellas is, is, was still running, as far as we knew, uh, but they haven't put out a new episode since January of this year, but not again, not being renewed yet. Uh, Ms. and Mrs., though, still going, so that that still exists. Uh, it's, it's sort of a thing where, you know, I, I think these rally series in total were worth somewhere around $20 million, maybe a little more per year to WWE, if you're not going to have those programs anymore, is there some way you can replace that that revenue? These A&E biographies sort of are that. The Most Wanted Treasures, sort of that. But uh, we'll see. Alright, so with that, uh, it's going to uh, put a wrap on, on this week. Uh, you know, a very busy week uh, as far as stocks and ratings and all that here at Russellnomics. Uh um, I guess I'll give my final plugs. You can check me out, Chris Gello, on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, as well as, uh, you know, RTI Pod, uh, RTI Pod on Twitter. Uh, but then it's Rediscovering Indies on Facebook and Instagram. Um, we, uh, we'll be recording a, a little bit later this month. We'll be recording our, uh, our, our last part of the XBW episode. So stay tuned for that. The trial of Rob Black. A great primer for the upcoming episode. Of yes, because in 44 minutes, they're not going to be able to cover half, not even half, like not even a quarter of what the craziness was behind this. The You know, I mean, Rob Black running for mayor, Messiah on America's so, Most Wanted. So what am I saying? Dark Side of the Ring is a primer for you. Yeah, I guess so. You're the one that's really going to go into a little more of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to our subscribers at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics who got access to uh, my report about Impact Wrestling viewership this week. The uh, the always updated WrestleNomics viewership spreadsheet. Uh, thanks to Chris uh, Gullo mm-hmm. for co-hosting. And uh, if you uh, like this show, tell somebody about it. Maybe do a five-star review. Their scale only goes up to five stars, but you'll have to settle for that. Five-star <laughs> review. On, on iTunes is that, is that still if that is still something that people do you can follow uh, WrestleNomics across social media at WrestleNomics at WrestleNomics.com you can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston I'm Brandon Thurston I'm Chris Gullo and we'll talk to you next time bye